Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. come to and realise that I'm no longer on earth. I'm lying on the floor of a dark metal room, looking around trying to recollect how the hell I got here. I remember locking the door of the house and walking through to the kitchen and I saw Fraser and Lidolf disappearing along the track in the forest. A few minutes passed and there'd been no sign of the wolves and I'd assumed that they'd left, or at least been distracted. And then I'd started to relax and suddenly the sky had darkened and for a split second I caught sight of the Cube Collective ship in the sky over the forest. I knew that they'd get Leodolf. So I left the house and ran through the forest trying to sense which direction they'd gone. And who did I run into but a Cube Collector? And that's the last thing I can remember. My heart sinks into my feet. So that's where I am then the Cube Collector space station. Well, they've got what they wanted. The walls had been a distraction and it worked. I curse and stand, unsteady on my feet. I can't remember what they did to me, but whatever it was, the effects haven't quite worn off and I still feel sick and dizzy. I cross the room and peer out of a tiny porthole-style window and far below I can see Earth rapidly becoming smaller by the millisecond. The walls themselves are covered in what appears to be like a thick, foul-smelling, oil-like substance. Suddenly an enormous doorway slides upwards, offering an entrance into a tunnel of blackness. And looking through, I catch sight of square windows, or are they lights, on either side of the tunnel. Well, whatever they are, it's impossible to see through them, because they're covered in the same greasy oil. A cube collector approaches. Come this way. I don't have much choice. I follow the cube collector from the room and walk down some sort of gangway into a hangar. 
There's wolves here too. They're being ushered from some kind of spaceship. And as I watch, I follow what appears to be an alpha male, only he looks more like a robot than an animal. Half his head, his front leg and shoulder are all mechanical. I shudder. Everything about the Cube Collective is grotesque. Well, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Whatever it is you want me to do, I won't do it, I say to the Cube Collector at my side. The Matrix Lord has need of you, comes the reply. Well, I'm not going to do anything he wants either. The Cube Collector regards me for a moment, showing no emotion. You'll find you have no choice. Our technology can be very persuasive. Take terrain over there, the cube collector indicates Alpha Wolf. He used to be willful, just like you. Now he's been upgraded. Upgraded? Is that what you call it? Upgraded, the cube collector repeats. Now terrain is more advanced, more acceptable, more useful. I look at the wolf and think I'm going to be sick. My head spins with implications for me, but I'm not going to let the cube collector see that if I can help it. I reply somewhat sarcastically. Yeah, lucky him. In the Akashic Library, the old man of store placed a large book back onto the shelf and watched the entire shelf rise up to the ceiling. Best place for that book, out of sight, out of mind, he thought, as he crossed to another part of the library and took a blue cover from a shelf that had just drawn close. He let the book fall open and stared at the page in dismay. Oh dear, he exclaimed as he read and then reread it. Oh dear, oh dear. Taking the book with him, he hurried from the library. Metamorphus was outside the inner courtyard, checking over his saucer, when Elvain hailed him. Is your ship ready for takeoff? Metamorphus looked up to see Elvain and the old man of store striding over towards him. Yeah, I've just finished checking the final checks. Well, good, it's needed. Our friends have been abducting again. We need someone to go and pull them out. From the station, asked Metamorphus, blinking his two sets of eyelids. Elvain nodded. The usual, she said. And you're the best for the task, Metamorphus. Metamorphus grinned. That's because I'm the only one who's mad enough to go, he said. Who is it, he continued, taking in Elvain's agitation. I'll get them, it'll be all right. Elvain paused before replying. It's Kaya. Now it was Metamorphosis' turn to be shocked. Kaya? When? Must have happened yesterday, the old man of store said. I checked her records yesterday and she was fine. But then when I read them today, well, the abduction was recorded. But she's still alive, Metamorphosis asked. Yes, confirmed the old man of store. For the moment, at least. I'll go at once, Metamorphosis said. He rang up the gangway of his saucer and initiated the takeoff sequence. 
up here on the saucer, up here in the station, I wonder why I'm still in one piece. Since I saw the wolf, I, they put me to another, some kind of holding pen. It's like an even smaller, dark, tiny metal cell. And I've not seen or heard any sign of anyone or anything for goodness knows how long. In fact, I've lost track of time. The dreary light and lack of windows, it really has thrown out my senses. But then the door opens and another cube collector stands in front of me. It's probably not the right time to think it, but well, they kind of all look the same. And I'm not sure whether it's funny or discombobulating, to be honest. The cube collector doesn't speak and beckons me to follow him. I leave the cell and outside in the corridor see that actually there's two cube collectors. One walks in front of me and the other behind. We walk through the station for a while, turning this way and that. All the corridors pretty much looking the same. And then we get to the end of a corridor and a metal slimy looking door slinks open and we step into what can only be some kind of command centre and there's a larger cube collector standing looking out of one of the windows at some of the planets beyond. He's not only larger than the other cube collectors but he kind of looks even more fearsome. I gather he must be some kind of commander. I stand my ground and will my body not to cave in and I look at the commander, if that's what he is, straight in the eye. You were in the hangar of the underground base and you activated the crystal, don't deny it, the commander says. I don't know what you're talking about, I reply, doing my best to keep my voice steady. Don't presume to play me for a fool. The commander's voice is low and ominous. Organic life forms, you're so pathetic, the way you twist and turn. Take her away and terminate her, he says to the cube collectors that are standing at either side of the door. I swear, I say, I have no idea what you're talking about. You were traced to the underground base. And you were traced in the underground base, the commander says. The crystal responded to you. I'll ask you one more time. How did you do that? Well, the crystal did glow blue, but I've no idea how it happened. The commander gives me a last look of contempt. It's a grave mistake to lie to me and one that you'll regret, he says. And he turns to one of the two cube collectors. Notify the Matrix Lord that we've made the collection. And you, take the subject to the holding pen to await her upgrade. The second cube collector nods and pushes me out of the room. I'm taken from the command central through another series of dark corridors. Before being ordered to halt and to step into a similar metal room like before. 
I'm roughly pushed inside and the door slides shut behind me. The room's empty. A metal cube of the same greasy-looking metal. I feel sick with the rank smell and the lack of air. I slump down in the corner. How has everything come to this? So much for being the White Queen and the one to make a stand against the Minctrix Lord. There's a scratching noise that sounds like a giant rat running across the ceiling. And one of the metal panels above me begins to move. Slowly the panel is half lifted to one side and a large pair of eyes peer through the gap at me. The eyes blink, two sets of eyelids. Metamorphous? You shouldn't be here, he replies with a grin. The room service is terrible. Well, it wasn't exactly my idea, I reply. Come on, we've got to be quick, Metamorphosis says, dropping down a rope. They won't be far away for long. I don't need to be asked twice. I scramble up the rope and pull it up behind me. A Metamorphosis pushes the metal panel back into place. Boy, am I glad to see you in one piece. Are you okay? Now that you're here, yes, I reply. But where are we? Currently in a maintenance shaft, but soon, all being well, on my saucer, out of here. Come on! I follow Metamorphos along the shaft. Shaft, it twists and turns, crossing through and over a multitude of other tunnels. It becomes very clear that Metamorphos has spent a lot of time running through these tunnels, and I've got a feeling he's not the first person that he's helped to escape. I trust you know where we're going. I know these shafts really well, he replies. I've had to come here a lot. I thought so, I say to myself, as we continue along a dark, ribbed-sided tunnel, which seems to be getting narrower by the minute. Just a bit of a squeeze here, and then it'll open out. Be extra quiet, though. I lie flat and squeeze along the last section of the shaft before it opens out into a square-shaped space that serves as a loft-like storage area for the room below. When I lift the panel, drop through behind me, Metamorphosis says. Follow close. I'll lead you to the saucer, but no matter what you see, don't stop. I nod. The hatch in the floor opens easily and Metamorphosis drops through. I do as he says and follow close behind and the smell of dried blood and rotting flesh immediately fills my nostrils and I feel bile rising in my throat. Don't stop! Follow me! Run! Metamorphosis warns. But I make the mistake of looking around me and around the room are bodies. Lots of bodies. I start to run and catch glimpses of an array of different animals and beings. Some have got limbs removed and some are skinned and some just left to rot and the floor's slippery and to my horror I realise it's not oily grease I'm sliding on, it's blood. This way! Don't stop! I've no intention of stopping but I do pick up my pace. I want to get away from this place and fast. I focus on metamorphosis and force myself not to look around me anymore at the carnage. We cross the hangar to where... 
Metamorphosis saucer is standing in the corner. Metamorphosis moves his hand across a panel underneath a doorway and the gangway slides down to the ground. Hurry! We run up into the craft. The gangway retracts and the doorway slides shut behind us. Metamorphosis is at the control panel in an instant and within a millisecond the craft is rising upwards. He slowly manoeuvres the saucer across the hangar and out of a doorway at the far end. Then, with a sudden acceleration of speed, it shoots across the sky like a shooting star. How come your saucer wasn't seen in the station, I ask, looking back at the collective station with a shudder. Cloaked. The Cube Collective are arrogant, and that's one of their downfalls, luckily for us. Their arrogance makes them complacent. The cube collectors don't accept that organic life forms are that intelligent or that they have the audacity to walk right into their station. That room where we were, what was that? I ask, not entirely sure if I really want to know the answer. The collective make themselves, but they need organic fuel and oils. They don't eat, but they need organic fuel when they make themselves and also to run the station. They ran out of fossil fuels a long time ago and have now progressed to organic oil, which they harvest from different life forms. They also experiment, cross-sectioning different species of being together to mix their oils and body fluid. They're always on the lookout for the next best thing. I turn pale. And I take it, They cross-section a whole array of different species. All sorts, Metamorphous replies. Beings from different dimensions, anywhere. And they cross-section and mix while their experiments are still alive. You mean? Yes, Metamorphous looks grim. They graft different species together like Frankenstein to see how their bloods combine before harvesting what's produced. The room we were just in is where they discard what they no longer need. I don't respond. Metamorphos continues. They're not exactly the most pleasant life forms in the universe. And neither do they appreciate being played for fools. We've got company. I glance back towards the rear of the saucer and see three small ships flying away from the space station towards us. I think it's about time you learn how to fly this thing, Metamorphosis says, indicating with his head for for me to slide next to the seat and take the controls. This orb here, that gives you 360 degrees on one plane. This ascent, that descent and those, oh, you'll figure it out. Just try not to make it a crash course, he says as he slides off the seat and lets me sit down. The saucer wobbles precariously and I try and take over the controls don't have time to think about hard how hard it might be it takes all of my brain power to concentrate a laser beam flashes past us to the left catching me by surprise and I move my hand too quickly across across one orb and the course of the saucer flips steady calls metamorphos as he opens a hatch in the floor and disappears below another laser beam shoots by and this time I slide smoothly to the right I think I'm getting the hang of it, I call over my shoulder. 
Just keep moving as smoothly as you can and head away from Earth. Hold her steady. There's a blast as Metamorphos returns the fire and two of the Cube Collector ships explode into flames. Metamorphos! I call, seeing a cloud of what had looked like dust in the distance. But now getting closer, I realise that the cloud is actually made up of huge lumps of rock. Just one moment! Metamorphos calls back. There's another blast from the saucer as Metamorphos fires. And there's a final explosion as the laser hits its target. Then Metamorphos reappears from below and closes the hatch in the floor. Well, that wasn't so bad, he says, sliding back into the seat and taking over the controls. We'd best get out of here, though. The Cube Collective won't be too happy about that. I look at him, bemused. I honestly don't think that the Cube Collective have the capacity to be happy about anything, I reply. Metamorphos grins and weaves the ship through the asteroids as if they're not even there. I'm suitably impressed. How do you do that, I ask, as the saucer seems to twist onto its side and slide between two lumps of rock and then right itself before rising vertically upwards to avoid another one. Oh, just practice, grins Metamorphos. I've been flying saucers for ages. I love it. We finally clear the rock and Metamorphos turns the saucer to head back towards Earth and drops the speed. If we're heading back in the direction of Earth and the collective station, won't they see us? Not if I can help it. The Cube Collective doesn't consider that we can outwit them. Like I said, they're arrogant. Drop the speed, cloak the saucer and we slip past without being seen. I hope you're right, I whisper as the bulk of the Cube Collective station comes back into view. I find that I'm holding my breath as we pass the station and we seem to be going painstakingly slow. We've got to go as slow as we dare, Metamorphos explains, else they'll be able to detect us. I shudder with repulsion. From here the station looks macabre and ugly. Functionality, nothing else. I'm reminded of what I've witnessed during my short time there and shiver. Reflecting for a moment on what my fate might have been had Metamorphos not come to my rescue. And finally we clear the station and come into a position above Earth. And what now? I ask. We drop like a balloon, Metamorphos says with a smile. He puts his hand over a different orb and then takes his hands away from the control panel. Done, he says as the ship slowly begins to drop towards the surface of the planet all by itself. Are you hungry? I think back to the contents of the cube collector's hangar and felt like I'd never be hungry again. Metamorphos catches my look and guesses the reason for it. Come and see this, he says, leading me to an area at the rear of the saucer. And he holds his hand over a large green orb his slender fingers tapping the surface in quick rhythm. And in recognition, a panel slides open and a holographic table and chair appears. Metamorphos sits down and, as he does, an array of food appears. Holographic food? 
No, he replies. You've a lot to remember about manifestation from light. Light energy creates form. You can create whatever you wish for. The energy of the ship will simply make the process much quicker. Here, sit down and picture in your mind what you'd like to eat. Imagine yourself eating it and away you go. I sit at the table and imagine one of my favourite cold pressed date and nut bars. And instantly one appears on the table in front of me unwrapped. Hesitantly, I pick it up and put it into my mouth. And I find it literally is one. Taste, texture, everything. And I suddenly realise that I am really hungry after all. Metamorphos laughs. You look so shocked, he says, selecting a type of green stranded food that looks like seaweed. What is that? It's a form of superfood. Humans have something similar in the third dimension, spirulina. But I've got to be honest, spirulina tastes grim. But this, this is good. Would you like to try it? I pick some up and sniff it. My mind playing tricks. I'm taken to the sea and I can feel the flow of the water all around me and I'm breathing underwater again. It reminds me of being in Atlantia. I take a nibble from the plant and feel a surge of energy flood through my body, feeling light and expansive. That's not surprising, Metamorphosis says. It's very similar to some of the Atlantean plants. I glance out of one of the saucer's windows. Metamorphosis, we're going to end up in the sea, I say, seeing the ocean coming into view below us. Well, that's the idea. Are we going to Atlantia? No, not exactly. Look, Metamorphos replies, and the saucer appears to hover for a moment above the surface of the water, and then I notice that the water's moving away from from it, even though the saucer hasn't touched it. We're in a force field of energy, Metamorphos explained. Imagine it looking as though the saucer is contained in some kind of see-through sphere. Watch. The saucer begins to sink beneath the water and I watch fascinated. We're in this energy field and we move through the ocean like it's like being in a bubble. And all the fish and sea creatures swim by seemingly unperturbed by our presence. (laughs) It's so cool. It's an intergalactic submarine. Well, not quite, Metamorphos replies with a chuckle. The saucer can't make intergalactic jumps on its own, it's too small. But it's pretty nifty, nevertheless. So where are we headed? I ask. I'm taking you home, Metamorphos replies. Have you done with this? He says, indicating the table. Yes, thanks, I reply, taking the last piece of the green plant and putting it in my mouth. How did you know where to find me? I ask after a pause. Metamorphous grins. I told you I'd keep an eye on you. The old man of store was helping me. We've been keeping a close check on your Akashic records. It shows the past and possible futures, remember? Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, I say. He grins again. As you in your human form would say, it's no bother, he chuckled. Thank you for listening. And so that you don't miss an episode of Dimensions from the book series, 
Please follow my podcast, Dimensions the Book Series, KRWIN. If you're interested in exploring Atlantean light language and the ascension pathway within Kayamea, then check out kayamea.co.uk or reach out to me on my blog site, krwin.co.uk. I leave you now with some Atlantean light language. Enjoy. Mohiyana <laughs>